to turn, if you've got your Bibles, to Acts chapter 2 with some familiar words coming to us from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. The Fellowship of the Believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen. Great. Thank you, Simon. You all hear me okay? Good. So it's great to be here preaching on Stir Up Sunday. I didn't know it was called that. I hope I can stir you up in a good way this morning. And I promise it won't have anything to do with mentioning Brexit. He did it once, but I think he got away with it. (laughs) Not sure I would. (laughs) Anyway, I want to say thank you uh, for coming last week. Uh, if you did. We had a a good attendance last week and we had a really good response to what I began to share at the end about uh, God's 2020 vision for St. Paul's, condensed down into those three vision priorities that we will be praying. We should have a slide for this. We should be praying. We should be connecting consciously with people in the church and outside the church. We should be growing in our faith And if we do those three things, praying persistently, praying constantly, connecting with as many people as possible, and growing in our own faith as much as we can, we will grow numerically. We as a church will grow spiritually. And it will be true, what our new strapline says, that we have lives transformed by Jesus. Not just once, not just at the start of the Christian walk, but month by month, year on year. Are you up for it? I certainly am. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. And if we get that stuff right, honestly, everything else will look after itself. So nice and simple. We know what to do. And I'm also excited, though, uh, because actually God has has said so many things through prophetic words over the last few years. I was given a, a whole set of them when I started, and they seem to keep coming in month on month. God clearly has been raising our expectations but also making clear to us that we need to be willing to step out in faith and be obedient to him in every area of our lives if we want to see the vision fulfilled. And I'm excited too because of what I've actually seen and observed since I've been here, which is about 22 months now. And that is a church with huge potential, with tremendous faith in God, and with gifted and hard-working leaders and helpers in every area of ministry. Thank you, all of you. And I'm confident too, because God has given us a great vision, one that we can all remember, that is bold but also achievable, simple but also deeply challenging. It's familiar in the sense there's nothing revolutionary about it, but it's also fresh. It's focusing us on three things we all believe in, 
at three things in which we can clearly up our game and if we do, see really significant results. And I'm confident too, because just as we've prayed throughout this vision process, we are going to keep on praying about it, asking God to lead us in every area and on every step along the way. I invite you to do so too. But it will cost us. And that's a big part of what I want to address at the end of the sermon. But that too is exciting, because it's an opportunity for us to grow in generosity with all the spiritual benefits that will bring. So let's pray. Let's pray that we're ready to receive it, ready to respond to it, and ready to step up to the challenge. So let's pray. Father, I just want to begin by giving us an opportunity just to say sorry. Sorry for the limit of our aspirations. Sorry for the limit to our willingness to pray. Sorry for our lack of faith in not anticipating you doing something wonderful in this place. We bring that caution. We bring that scepticism. We bring that fear. We bring that defeatism. We bring whatever we have absorbed from a world that claims you neither exist or if you do, that you have nothing good to bring. Father, we turn from all of those pressures, all of those lesser thoughts. And we pray now you would raise our aspirations, raise our expectations, raise our prayer life. Raise our willingness to get out there and connect with people. Raise our ambition for our own transformation. And Father, right now as we begin to reflect on this vision and on your word, would you fill us with your spirit now, Father? Pour upon us so that we might hear what you are saying to us as individuals and as a church. Come, Holy Spirit. And have your way in us, we pray, for your glory. Thank you, Father. Amen. So there's three things that I want to talk to you about today. And the first is this. A change of mentality, a change of mindset. That needs to happen. That's the first thing that needs to happen if we're to see each of those vision priorities really going forward, really changing things. And in the case of prayer, can I start with an encouragement? God has already been doing great things. We've had a great many services and we've had clear evidence in services of God being at work in people's lives. We hear that in the celebration slots. We see it in the response to the sermons, the response to worship. We see it in the 15 people that got confirmed. We see it in the 15 young people doing Alpha. We see it in the 20 people that did Alpha, or so from St. Paul's that did Alpha last year. And we see it actually in what we see in each other's lives. People growing in faith. 
people stepping out and being used. We see it in what's happened in Paul's life as well. There's no doubt that God is already doing stuff in this church. We sense his presence frequently. But yet, this is what this means. That if we really stepped up our prayer life, then all sorts of things could happen. Do you agree? Absolutely. We're already in a good place, so let's really go for it. Let's really seize the momentum. So I want us to become a prayer movement. It's the way I've been thinking about it recently. In which we all go together on a prayer journey. In which we celebrate answers to prayer. We pray into prophetic words as they're received. And we really pray into any blockages or barriers that we sense we face. As well as all the opportunities we know God has given us. And in which there's also a real sense of momentum in our prayer. And we're doing it in creative and exciting ways, including half nights of prayer, as well as more regular prayer gatherings, and with us praying not just for growth, but for revival. We need to be bold. We need to sense what others are saying who who are listening to God and who are sharing prophetic gifts, and there's a sense that something big is happening in this nation. We need to be part of it. We need to believe in it. And we need to pray like it's about to happen, because only then will it happen. And with more people praying beforehand for our services, I'd love that to not just to be people involved in the service, but anyone who's able to come early, just join us on the chancel and just intercede for everyone coming, that God would meet us. But more importantly than all of that, I want each of us as individuals to be praying for our own individual ministries out there on our front lines where most of our contact with not-yet-Christians will come. For that is the most important ministry a church does, isn't it? It was for Jesus. His most important ministry was going to those who weren't in the synagogues or the temple. He went after the lost sheep. And so that's what we're called to do as well. I'm not saying stop coming to church. I'm just saying the main mission of the church happens when we're not here, not when we do. Which leads me on to the second shift of mentality we need, which is that we need to become a truly missional community, which means that our raison d'etre is no longer simply to support ourselves, particularly on a Sunday. Rather, it becomes to intentionally, proactively reach out and connect with as many people as we possibly can who don't yet know Jesus as we can in whatever ways we can, using every inch of creativity and cunning that God might have given us, just to find those ways to get alongside people further down the track and share our faith when, when they have trusted us to do so. And with that commitment to mission and for praying for each other's mission, being right in the core of who we are, why we're here and what we're doing, where we ourselves are living out that parable of the lost sheep, where God through us is prioritising seeking the lost. (coughs) Sorry. (coughs) (coughs) And I think for many of us, perhaps the best way of summarising this shift of mentality is that it's effectively about us going back to that zeal, that desire to share our faith, that passion for God's kingdom to grow, that we hopefully had in the past. Maybe in our early years as a Christian, 
It's about rediscovering our first love, meaning not just of God, but of those he loves too, which is everyone, especially those who have wandered away. Am I right about that? Yeah, even if I can't speak loudly anymore. Bear with me. Um, Let me just remind you, actually, supporting what I've just been saying. Those of you who've been doing the Fruitfulness on the Frontline course, did you hear that wonderful story on the DVD this week about the lady in the doctor's surgery? Did anyone see that? Amazing, wasn't it? Basically, what she did was for 12 years previously, she had faithfully witnessed stuck in there, loved the people that she worked with, and nothing happened. And then 12 years later, perhaps just one of them, she mentioned, would you like to come on an Alpha course? That one, maybe they were the sort of opinion leader in the group. They said, yeah. And then the other four in the group came along as well. They all became Christians. Amazing story. And what did we learn from that? Well, we learned that actually it's faithful persistence in prayer And actually playing the long game in sharing our faith can sometimes have extraordinary fruit. We don't know what season we're in at the moment, whether it's a seed-sowing season or a harvesting season. But we're never too old to have a harvest. We never know people too well to be able to have an impact on them. And it's often life events or or other things that happen um, that actually suddenly changes the circumstances. They suddenly have an openness to God. And we need to believe that. Don't write anyone off. And don't think you're too old or too young to do this. And I've talked about it before, but the connections ministry at my last, my my curacy church, where it started in my first month there, 25 people turned up. In my last month there, sorry. And now 150 each session with many non-Christian folk from all over the village coming to faith. Now, what's the key there? It's that they are intentionally identifying what older folk outside the church are looking for. A loving community, practical help, fun, entertainment, cake. And by prioritizing meeting those needs, they are then creating the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus. But that principle can be applied at any age for any stage of life. It's clearly what Daniel's doing at the moment and Beth and Louisa they're making sure that kids have fun, right? If they have fun, they'll come, they'll bring their friends, and, they, they, and then they come to Alpha. That's basically what's happened, and it's, it's fantastic. But we can do this at any stage of life with any set of people. We've just got to connect, work out where are people scratching, where are they itching, and we scratch, that's right. Which are probably all the things that we will want to and need to have as well. And remember, the actual harvest, when people become Christians, can be so much further down the line. And remember, too, that others may have sown many seeds before you even meet that person. We never know exactly what stage they're in until the Spirit does his work. So, that's becoming a missional community. Now, the final shift of mentality I want to talk about is this. That we consciously choose... We're not there yet. (laughs) Previous slide. We consciously choose to invest in our spiritual growth month on month, year on year. And we make ourselves accountable to an individual or a group of individuals to make it far more likely that the growth actually happens. Now, I talked about that plateau last week, about Christians going up and then plateauing. 
It's about the early years of faith being one that's very exciting and rapid growth occurs, but then we just settle. Settle at the level that maybe the Christians around us seem to be at. Settle at that level where we're fine going to church regularly, we're, we're fine perhaps giving regularly, we're fine being in a life group, we're fine joining a team, but actually we've stopped seeking to grow. We're just ticking along. We're meandering. It's a reality. It's our default situation. It's certainly the one the devil is seeking to get us in. He wants us to be in that place, thinking everything's all right, comparing ourselves to other people around us to make ourselves feel okay about that, and then just staying there. That's his strategy. But actually, what I'm calling us to today is to not have any plateauing. Sure, our situations change. We won't be able to do everything we once could do as we get older but equally there'll be new things we can do as we get older and it's about saying in whatever opportunities I've got in whatever advantages of life stage I happen to have am I growing and if we don't make growing our explicit intention and if we don't receive the encouragement and prayer and support from others that we need which crucially can include someone to ask us each month or each term have you grown Is that a scary prospect, having someone doing that for you? Good, because then it'll work. (laughs) Go for the scary person. And if you're a scary person, go for it. Feel free to ask me. And Kate. (laughs) (laughs) And the person doing that could be our husband and wife. It could be a close Christian friend. It could be one of our children or parents or siblings. It could be a prayer partner. It could be a group of people, e.g. a prayer triplet or a life group or any other group that we choose to be part of or a group that we do ministry with. But I want to encourage all of us to be part of some sort of faith group in which we have honest conversations about how we're growing, what we're struggling, struggling with, what are the opportunities that we have, and then praying together into them, and then reviewing how are we doing. Have we taken those opportunities? Are we continuing to walk the walk? Be bold, be filled with the Spirit, ambitious for everything that God wants to do through us. Where we build in that accountability dimension because we need other people to help us and to remind us of our commitment. We need to be out of our comfort zone. Just as we need to be praying for our growth and just as we need to be studying and meditating on God's word as well. Whether through personal Bible study or group Bible study or listening to sermons or songs. However you find yourself feeding on God's word, go for it. Make sure it's filling you in one way or another. And do all of those things and have an accountable friend or partner. And you can grow. That'll make sure you grow. And that will give you the satisfaction of being the person that you actually want to be. That's what we're talking about here. It's about achieving our own hopes and aspirations for ourselves. And being wise in how we do that. And let's remember too, that when we are growing, it feels great. We feel alive. We feel far more connected to God. We feel far more fired up to share our faith and to share his love. It makes God in us visible. It gives us the spark, the radiance that draws others back to him. It's the life we've always wanted of truly walking in the spirit, being filled with the spirit, pressing on towards the goal, as Paul said that he did. And he urged us all to imitate him as he imitated Christ. So they're the shifts of mentality that are needed to become a prayer movement, to become a missional community 
and to create accountability relationships around us so that we're honest about where we're at and so others help us to get there where we're called to go. So now, I want to talk next about some of the exciting things that this vision might include. We should be excited about what is to come. And I just want to give you a bit of uh, some of the highlights for me. There's a lot more, though, out there. If you look on the walls around the church, those white bits of paper, they are the vision statements that have come out of our vision process for each individual area of ministry. If you have time before you leave, have a wander around, uh, pray into some of that, and just ask God as you do so, God, what are you laying on my heart? Which bit of that vision is the one that you want me particularly to be part of and to help make happen? And there's plenty there for us to do. It's exciting stuff. It will transform this church and it will transform this community if we put it into practice. But the things that I want to highlight, well, let's start with the area of evangelism. And I am excited about the impact on the confidence of this church in sharing our faith that will come from that Culture of Invitation workshop on Saturday the 3rd of February from 10 until 3 and the Contagious Christianity course that we'll be doing in our sermons and in the life groups afterwards through Lent. All the surveys say the biggest thing holding Christians back in sharing their faith, is lack of confidence. Why? Why particularly now? I think it's because our culture has changed so much. The nature of society has changed so quickly, we haven't been able to keep up. We haven't been able to re-articulate the faith in a way that reaches people today outside Christian culture. But it's okay, because there are plenty of people who can do that, and they are there to help us. One such person is Michael Harvey. He's brilliant. That's why he's coming here. And that's why I want us all to come on Saturday the 3rd of February. And that's why uh, Bill Hybels and the others at Willow Creek have designed the absolutely brilliant course helping us to share our faith, how to be a contagious Christian. We're going to do it together. I guarantee if we go for this, pray into it, turn up, really go for it with our groups, we will be different people. We will have the confidence that we need. And we will be able to share our faith now like perhaps we once did when we first grew to know Jesus. So, Saturdays are precious, I know. Certainly I my household. But what if one person came to faith because you went on that workshop? Wouldn't that be worth it? Of course it would. That's the sort of investment we need to make to get ourselves ready so we can say, when 2 Peter says, always be willing to give a reason for the hope that you have, that we can do it. And we can do it in a way that's natural, do it in a way that uh, is in the language of people in our wider society, and do it in a way that they find attractive, engaging, and relevant. We can learn it. So go for it. Go for that training as we invest in our witness. But we also want to invest in our growth, in our discipleship. And I'm excited too about the mentoring program that we are planning to start. What have we got in this church? We have a wonderful set of people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and as the last service reminded me, 90s, who have so much wisdom still, so much passion for God, so much life experience to pass on. And wouldn't it be amazing if 25, 30, 35 of them got matched up 
with people who are younger in years or younger in faith, and they met once a month for six months or a year to pass that on. How that would bless the one receiving that mentoring and to tell you what it feels like to be a mentor, how it will bless you. Don't you want to pass on what God's done in your life to the next generation? Could you be your mentor? Well, when we start advertising for that, remember, you could do it. You could bless someone else and they could bless you uh, in return. So we look forward to that happening and we've got a fantastic training course that we'll roll out in four helpful sessions to help us get ready for that. I'm also excited about the possibilities around us connecting more with each other as well as with more people across the town. And we could see new groups set up around particular hobbies or interests as ways of getting Christians mixing with those outside. Now, I'm not going to set up many of those. That's, it needs to come from the ground. Okay, so you guys need to think, what am I interested in? What do I enjoy doing? Who do I know outside the church that enjoys those things? Could, who, who else in the church enjoys it? Now, we can have a survey that sort of throws up uh, those sorts of collections or those sorts of connections, rather, within the church. But we could set up these groups that meet, not necessarily that regularly, but... But they just meet around something that everyone enjoys doing. My bit, I've set up a regular curry night twice a term for men of my sort of stage of life or age. And it's great. And we're getting people from outside the church, on the fringes of the church, coming along. We can all do something like that. We've already got table tennis doing it, fine weather walking. But there's so many other things that we could do. And just from groups I've seen set up elsewhere, we could have groups around cycling, book reading, board games, football, basketball, cooking, craft, curry, music, shared professions, shared geographical locations, even one that talks about politics, though that might be interesting. As well as praying about particular issues or for particular groups of people like the teachers and pupils in a local primary or secondary school. We could do this. I'm not suggesting any one of us does more than one. But just think, if you had to set up a group like that, what would it be? And who would you invite? And let's just pray into what's possible. And I'm excited about the possibilities around age-specific ministry as well. Now, without us doing anything more, someone after the last service just reminded me that the University of the Third Age does a huge amount of stuff at the moment in Camberley, often in our church, I mean, she was talking about two or 3,000 people being involved in that. So if you want to know how to connect with people outside the church, if you feel most of your friends are Christians, so what do I do? Join that. I, don't, I doubt you have to be too old to join it. Is it sort of retirement age upwards? Join that. Go along. I took a, I took, took a funeral recently for someone who was prominent in University of the Third Age. There were ter- so many people turned up, they didn't fit in the chapel. It was quite awkward. <laughs> But it just shows there's community out there. Let's join in with it. But let's also create community of our own. But community that specifically intends to reach out to people outside the church, scratching where they're itching, but with a whole load of us getting involved as well. So Claire's already got a massive group of of people praying into and discerning the possibilities of seniors' ministry here. We see there's so much potential. And this church... Out of all the parishes in the deanery has the joint highest proportion of people in their 70s. So we're in the right place. Seniors ministry, there must be potential in this parish. But it's also about actively thinking about developing our families ministry. We're doing that, our ministry to men and women. And something God has laid on my heart this week, quite unexpectedly, 
is that we could join forces with other churches across the town and create a new evening congregation aimed at young adults and youth. I wasn't, God expect, I wasn't expecting God to say that to me. But it came when I spent a few hours just listening to him. And it made me realise what a massive impact that could have among people in that very age group who are most likely to come to faith. We could do it. We've definitely got the people here and with certain other people at other churches. We could pull that off. And that would be an amazing thing for the next generation to bring them through. And what a privilege and honour it is as well to have been chosen to plant a church into the new village of Mindenhurst around the existing village of Deepcut. And what a perfect leader we've got for that in Daniel. He's going to be starting to put a team together in the spring. But be praying now. Is this something God might be laying on your heart? I already know of several who who decided that a year and a half ago. But why don't you, the rest of you, reflect on that now? Do you want to be part of that really, really exciting project, setting up a new church in a new place that reaches a whole new community with the church right at the centre of things from day one? And I'm excited too about the new initiatives I'm in discussions with people about in the areas of prayer, developing our prayer ministry, um, or our prayer, also our prayer life generally. Um, uh, Conversations I'm having about developing ministry to the homeless in this town, extending our welcome area office and garden area into a a far more inviting church centre. We're talking about that as well that we could rebrand as a centre for the whole community and which we could turn into a pop-up cafe for retired folk, for mums and dads dropping off from Crawley Ridge or the nursery or for those wanting workspace in their local community. And we've also done some really good work, mainly through Steph and Carl, about how we can best communicate with those outside the church using the right sort of social media for the, the right age groups. And uh, that we're going to roll that out in the spring as well. There's so much potential. But now I need to finish by talking thirdly about the costs that pursuing that vision will require. It's always helpful to think in terms of treasure, talents and time. They are the three main ways we can give. And let me deal with the financial, the treasure side of that first. The long and short of it is we've done the sums. And we feel that we need to increase our income by about 15% to build the capacity needed to underpin this vision, including to successfully plant a new church. And that we feel now is exactly the right time to do this. I know it's just before Christmas, so maybe not in that sense, but it's the right time because we've got the vision. We feel we've got virtually all of the uh, people that we need to lead these things, We've got the staff team, the lay leadership team. We've got a united, fired-up church as well. And it's come at exactly the right time where the Deep Cup project is just starting to uh, come to fruition. comes at exactly the right time where we as a church know each other. We've got a clear sense of direction. But this is basically how uh, we need to, or why we need to, increase our income in that way. So the number one priority in terms of the parish profile written when my job was being advertised was growing our numbers of children, young people and families. And we were struggling to get there. There was an appointment that didn't work out and we had to go back to the drawing board twice. In the end, that took us through a series of divine coincidences to us being led to take the step of faith in appointing Daniel as associate minister to head up this vital ministry. And I'm delighted that we did. And alongside that, 
We also felt prompted by God, having seen her as a volunteer, to offer Beth Mead an internship, working under Daniel, investing in her gifts, and increasing, in that way, the delivery capacity within the team. They have started phenomenally well. That team is is really firing. All the volunteers have been trained really well by Daniel. And that ministry is now very much moving in the right direction. And already growing very, very significantly indeed. But I need to say that the step of faith that we took was because in employing Daniel and Beth, it took us well beyond the level of expenditure that had been budgeted. We did it as a step of faith, believing if we got the right people in post, the resources would come, the people would come. We're now at that stage where we need that to happen. But here's the amazing thing. Between Daniel starting in May and Beth starting in August, we had two one-off donations totaling to about £25,000, which was almost exactly the amount we were scheduled to fall short for 2017. We took that as divine confirmation that we were doing the right thing. But now, this year, we need to increase our regular income to cover keeping that team and to build on what's already happened since Daniel and Beth have started. Let me read to you uh, the figures that I've been given. So, we now have 15 young people doing Alpha on Wednesday nights, 21 older teens uh, meeting on Thursday nights uh, for youth club and for talks there as well. On Friday night, we've got 12 11 to 14-year-olds meeting. There's been a massive increase um, on Sunday mornings, we've now got 22 attending young people attending the youth cell. Six months ago, it was a handful. The numbers are also significantly up, with the frequency of attending, attending also up in all of our children's groups. This is fantastic. It's been turned around, and that's just the first few months. What's going to happen with three years of that? So we need to back it. We need to say we've got to carry on doing this. This is the right level of resource. This is the right leadership. And Daniel is also the right man to go to deep cut. So we need to get involved in that too. I should also tell you there's a lot more detached ministry going on at the local infant primary and secondary schools, often several times a week. And here's some more great news that you may not have been aware of. The diocese has decided to award us a curate from July and we expect to appoint someone in the next few weeks. I'm talking with a really brilliant candidate at the moment. And because of the skill set of that person, I can see huge potential in us planting a new evening congregation, and particularly young people and youth. God is bringing people to us. So the question we've got to be asking is, are we prepared to resource that, in this instance by covering the loss of rental income from cornerways, so that this really gifted leader that God is sending to us can be unleashed, freed up, supported to do an amazing entrepreneurial work in this town. That's where we're at. We've stepped out in faith. We see the potential. As a church, we just now need to underpin that by raising our income so that we can carry on and put it into practice. So this year, and this year only, I'm not going to do this every year, We're asking for a financial step change. Next year, things will probably be different. But at this year, at this point, we want to do everything we can to reach that 15% increase. And let's just remind ourselves what we read in those Bible passages a little bit earlier. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone 
who had in need. And then Acts 4, the other reading, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there was no needy person among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put them at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. So what about us? If we're trying to follow that church, follow their example, well, the greatest need that our children and young people have, but indeed every age group in this local area has, is to get to know Jesus. Let's invest in making that happen. Let's remember that our possessions are not our own, just as the Acts 4 church knew. We're stewards, not owners, called to give the resources God has given us to reinvest in the growth of his kingdom. So I want to ask, will you consider increasing your giving, if possible, by 15%? Or perhaps more significantly, I want to highlight the biblical principle of tithing, where Christians commit to give 10% of their income to God through supporting their local church and other Christian charities. Christians all over the world and through the ages have experienced the miracle of making that decision to tithe and then seeing God bless them abundantly, often including financially in response. Take this church as an example. You may not know, but many years ago, this church, PCC, took the decision to increase the proportion of their income that they gave away from 10 to 25%. Did you know that? Do you know what happened? Every year the income went up to cover it. If we step out in faith, God will bless us. He'll bless us spiritually. He'll bless us in giving us the rewards of seeing what's coming of it. And he may, on occasion, bless us financially as well. So are you willing to take that step? Particularly people who perhaps have every intention of being a committed member of St. Paul's, definitely decided it's the church for them, but haven't yet moved to that position of choosing to tithe choosing to commit in that way. Well, this is a great opportunity to do that, and I guarantee that God will meet with you if you take that step and will bless you richly as a consequence. So, I'm conscious too, there are many here who can't give in a financial way or perhaps only in a different way, for example, a one-off gift or a legacy. But whatever's our situation, God will show us what is right for us And a little bit later in the service, we'll have a chance to ask him. But I must finally just broaden this out, broaden this topic of giving to include our talents, our talents, our skills, and our time. Fulfilling this vision is going to need all of that too. If you're not in a position to give financially, as quite a number of us aren't, I hope you might be able to join us in offering your time, your skills, your spiritual gifts, and your prayer to make this vision reality, to see God's purposes for St. Paul's fulfilled. I need to finish. There's a lot to take in. But can I invite you to give generously and sacrificially, for Jesus certainly did for us. He gave us everything and called us to live gratefully and sacrificially for him. Let's do it. Amen.